0: In C-sharp, what do you like? MS test, N-unit, or X-unit, and why? Well, only
1: N-unit. I mean, X-unit is just for the hipsters.
0: really why? <laughs> in the realm of code, a star takes flight. Anton Angelov, a beacon in the night. CTO, co-founder, a title not so small. Automate the planet, he's done it all. Bellatrix framework, his brainchild so grand. Making test automation easy across the land. Author of the books that testers hold dear, design patterns and automated testing, also oh clear. Today we dive deep, so don't just roam. We'll explore his latest book, Automated Testing Unleashed. Welcome home. We'll tackle AI, manual testing's fate, and the future of automation. It's gonna be great. Join us now for an episode of Might, where automation, quality, and controversy unite. Anton, welcome. Such a pleasure to have you on the Test Automation Experience.
1: Thank you, for a Great introduction. Was it uh, generated by
0: AI? No, I, I became a poet in the, this ch- year. Oh. <laughs> no, no, I'm totally joking. Yeah, I, I don't have the time to become such a great poet in a short time. Yeah, uh, AI generated. Thank you to ChatGPT.
1: Perfect. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, um, not a few people can guess that it was AI generated. Many people don't.
1: I mean, it's uh, perfect English and whatever, is just too, uh, too good for maybe a programmer. <laughs> it's,
0: it's too good. Are you saying I'm not capable of writing such a good poem?
1: I mean, you are capable of writing very good code, but not sure about the poem. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, thank you. I, I, I agree with that. Um, Anton, I got a few rapid fire questions for you. Are you ready? Yeah. go ahead. Um, is manual testing becoming obsolete?
1: I don't think so. I mean, in uh, 10 years ago, there were uh, more manual queries than now. But this doesn't mean that uh, this is dead. And even I always agree with other really great QA engineers uh, saying that this is the wrong... Uh, comparison between this manual and automated testing. We we are just these core engineers that our job is to do both of the things, right? And I think we need to embrace that we need to understand how the software is working, all the complexities and probably I think right now the perfect role is to have this hybrid engineer doing 70% of the time to write, for example, code or something and then 30% of the time to do this exploratory testing. And even when, when you are writing automatic tests, you are doing manual testing. Or let's say functional testing. I, I don't like this manual testing term. And uh, you know, my company, we're working for many plants and I'm always trying to convince them. Uh, some of them, they believe that when they have this uh, a few uh, test automation engineers hired, they, they won't need any more the functional testers, right? But this is not true, and I'm trying to convince them that this is wrong because you still need uh, some of the uh, cases to be uh, you know uh, functionally tested before the release, and probably you won't you won't have the time to automate absolutely everything. And this is one of the Seventh walls of uh, of the testing, right? That this is just not global and it's not viable and it's against all the rules. At least this is my opinion.
0: Yeah, beautiful. Hey everyone, just wanna take a quick moment for some awesome news. So we have a bunch of legacy slap swag remaining and we're trying to give it out. So if you want some slap swag, what you have to do is subscribe to the YouTube channel and comment down in this video below. And every single week, I'm gonna pick my favorite comment out of the lineup and I'll contact you and I'll send you some awesome hot sauce, socks, t-shirts, and maybe some more. All right, back to the program what are your favorite automated testing tools to use? Tools? You mean frameworks, libraries? Whatever. What, if you get a choice of automation, libraries, tools, frameworks to use, what are you doing?
1: You know, it's always not just, it, it really depends on the context and uh, what you need to automate and how you need to solve the problem. Mainly in, in from project to project, this is really different because, for example, one of the projects you are automating mobile apps, then probably you will pick up API. When, uh, for example, if you are talking about um, web automation, then, of course, we are not just using plain uh, web driver, but we use, for example, some kind of a framework, no matter whether we wrote it or not. Um, in my case, in, in most of the projects we are using the framework that I developed a couple of years ago, and I'm a fan of WebDriver. Right now I know that there are other popular hyped libraries. Uh, uh, they have their place, uh, but let's say that I prefer to write in C Sharp or Java. I really, I, I mean, a lot of the time when needed, I need it, we work with JavaScript and everything, but it's not really my thing, and I think the code would sell a the beard and other object-oriented languages. Maybe okay. Okay. If, we worked in, if, if we lived in another world, and uh, you know, I have a book behind me about Kotlin, I really like Kotlin. And if everything was written in Kotlin, it's perfect because it's like, uh, they have everything from c sharp to Java, to JavaScript, all of the best stuff in one language. I really like it. But the truth is that nobody is writing for automation. So we need to stick with Java. Or um, If I need to choose I will always pick c sharp.
0: Um, In terms of Java, what do you like? JUnit or TestNG? A
1: um, lot. It really doesn't matter, but usually in most of the projects,
0: we use uh, the latest version of JUnit, to be honest. What about for API testing?
1: We use most of the time rest assured is all right. I mean, originally I started working on C Sharp. It was a little bit uh, years ago when when I uh, you know, started again to use Java, because I, I know it before, but professionally to use Java again. It was a little bit uh, strange for me to use Rest Assure compared to other C-Sharp alternatives. But it's alright. I mean, with in many really hardcore projects that I uh, uh, had to work uh, through the years, we managed to automate everything, so I think it's a really very really top-snow. It's always our first choice. I don't like Experiments. I mean, if something proven to the areas that it's working, we continue using it, like WebDriver. And, they, and like, rest assured, they have this really huge community of people that are using it. If it still works,
0: we will continue to work with it. And, okay, and in C Sharp, what do you like? MS test, N unit, or X unit? And why?
1: Well, only A-unit. I mean, X-unit is just for, um, no, uh, for the hipsters that really <laughs> like it. It's so, I mean, uh, probably if you have tried uh, some time to write the framework or something around it, it's really terrible. It's <laughs> uh, so many stuff. MSTS is just the worst alternative of nunit any, any unit unit has zero things. That's my choice.
0: Cool. Thanks for sharing all that. Um, do you think that an obsession with code coverage is a bad one?
1: It's really hard sometimes, um, you know, because especially in uh, really big enterprise projects, uh, when you need to read a lot of these automation engineers, I understand why management and senior management, they want some... Type of matrix to calculate, um, you know, the progress, um, and we have some examples where partially this works with, with, with coverage, but this should be just one of the metrics, not not the only one, right? I prefer um, it's hard because some of the metrics that I believe that are more Reliable, they're a little bit more, they require a little bit of more of more minimal work. For example, uh, this might be if you take one screen, on this screen, uh, you might have, for example, 10, um, 10 different operations that you can do. And you can check how many of those. Uh, Important actions are automated or not, and to what degree. Um, and then another type of metric that I really like and implementing in uh, other projects is for example when you have a story, if you are going to Java course. So and usually these stories they have acceptance criteria. And this acceptance criteria uh, many often when you have, for example, some kind of uh, a wall that needs to be obligated, for example, to something to be tested, we need to make sure that we have a few automated tests uh, covering those acceptance criteria. So this is something uh, a little bit more meaningful to me to, to check whether you cover all the acceptance criteria. Just it's a little bit hard to measure that in an automated way. Also. And people prefer numbers that are ultimate, that's that's true. Because otherwise it's uh, easier to fake. And if you have uh, one terrible manager that it's not doing the right job, it's, it's really easy to, to fake the numbers if they're done manual apps.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So Anton, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on here is you recently released a new book, uh, Automated testing unleashed. Tell us about it, what was your idea behind it, and some of the key takeaways for our audience.
1: It's actually an upround book. There are five. There are five volumes What the men. mean? Um,
0: this is the whole book. I mean, yeah, so so let me rephrase. You rele- released an encyclopedia of automated testing books. Tell us tell us about that, please.
1: When I started, uh, there wasn't actually such a job like this automation engineer. We were just getting started. Back then, we had just QA. And this QA role, quality engineer, usually it was this type of hybrid. Uh, at the beginning, it was just this uh, functional testing. Then with time, we have Selenium ID, et cetera, and we started to run code. Uh, and the problem with that is, that I was just getting started and working when all of those libraries and approaches uh, came to life and actually the profession was born. And the problem was that we didn't hit any books. We didn't, didn't hit any you know, YouTube videos. It wasn't popular back then. We didn't hit your courses or your website or my blog or whatever. We didn't get any resources. Back then, at the beginning, this gap was filled with uh, this void, uh, was filled with probably the the blogs. And this is how Automated Planet and your website got familiar with, uh, with all those articles. Uh, but at some point, you're doing great right now you have your own show and you're doing videos. I'm recording videos as well. Now the new format is video because when I start talking about subjects, it's really hard for me to, um, you know, put everything just in a single article and nobody is reading. This is the truth. I mean, over the years now, it's TikTok, some one-minute videos, nobody uh, has the time to really... Read uh, five strings. However, more and more when I'm doing interviews with uh, new engineers, they're telling me, okay, I learned how to code or whatever watching uh, YouTube clips and uh, reading blog posts. And when you start uh, you know, interviewing such people, the problem is that their knowledge is completely not systematic. This is the reason why we have universities. Why you need, for example, four years to be a really good engineer, right? Because you learn how the websites are working. Uh, You know what happens when you click the build button and uh, what is DLL and what is MSIU or what is a virtual machine uh, translating this MSIU and what is the difference between Java and JavaScript what languages. But, but again, the, the world is much more complex than 10 years ago with, uh, you know, all of these microservices, with all these new asynchronous technologies in the web, with all those clouds. And people, in order people to be really good, um, all of those pieces that they need to know, the API testing, uh, the web automation the desktop, the continuous integration with all the tools, the the report portals, uh, all of those these are different clips etc on YouTube but they don't know how systematically to uh, learn them and it's always a chaos in their head right so they're not really good so I was thinking okay maybe I released first my two books about design patterns this is fine. And uh, this is for example for more like regular positions or senior people. But the problem is that this new generation of test automation engineers, and not only, by the way, many people, even the seniors, can find meaning here. But especially the ones that are junior or regular, they need a systematic approach to learn all the stuff. And this was the reason why I was thinking I started to write. I was picking through all the chapters, but then there were 40. But one book is like more than 300 pages, right? It's just one of the topics, but the topics are so many. So, for example, just for API, there is a whole book that it's like 400 pages because, you know, there are too many technologies. Nowadays, you have GraphQL, you have not only REST uh, APIs, but you you have gRPC. You have all data, you have sol- You have all those. Then you, you can automate with Postman, but you can automate also with code. Yeah, so you need to understand all of those pieces. And even from, um, you know it very well with, with the web testing, the really good automated tests, they are not just about the web driver code and how to write locators, 60 percent of the really good tests is about the test data management and usually the test data management happens through a really good understanding of how databases works, how to use APIs to set up the data and all of that. If you don't know it it's I, I because of that I don't like the UI tests it's more of a system test that it's working together with the web apis with the browser, the interactions, then you go again through the APIs or through the databases to check what's going on. Uh, so really good to engineers, we write those two tests.
0: Yeah, that's beautiful. I, I, totally, I totally agree with that, that you have to have a systematic, deep understanding of what you're doing, how you're going to do it, and um, you talked about data management for automated testing, I think it also goes about application state management as well. How do you put the application in a state that you want to test it in so that it's the most efficient, less UI-involved tests that you can make it? And sometimes that involves performing API operations, putting cookies in browsers, maybe updating database in order to reflect the correct data in your application based on that, um, and then testing it through the user interface. Um, Not all the time. Uh, I prefer to do it less often than more, um, and only where really necessary, and then making sure that the tests are extremely reliable. Like, I like to shoot for a random, seems like a random metric, but for me, it's a forcing function to ensure high-quality UI tests is 99% pass rate because, um, like, you, you probably know, if you ever seen a graph of execution of automated tests in CI or any system of, like, unit tests, right, it'll be a pass rate of 100% for a really long time, like, day after day after day after day for weeks at a time, There'll be some failures at some point. Those failures get resolved and the graph continues to look green after that again. And so I I want to have my UI tests mimic as close as possible to that behavior, even though it's not ever possible, but as close as possible to that similar behavior. What do, what do you think about
1: all that? I agree there are different types of tests. Uh, in my experience, usually to achieve what you're saying, of course, this is why the unicorn, unicorn and, uh, make this to be always great, which is uh, what we uh, always strive for. Again, in my experience, usually this can happen only when we have proper test data management. Uh, many often when people use hard-coded data, for example, they think that a product that they're going to buy in the shopping cart is always there, or always restored from database restores each day. Usually, at some point, this is not the case or something was changed. I usually prefer always to uh, set up all these dependencies myself. And usually, uh, this leads to uh, this state that you mentioned. Uh, I believe that we need to have a small percentage of just UI Yq like you described um, and for example this might be um, in, in some systems even live we can execute such tests uh, we, uh, uh, in the past I used the term heartbeat tests they are running every 2 minutes just 5 of these tests they are checking the login or whether the forum is live and the shop at whether whether it's up Um, and those like UI tests they are just checking the UI, even live, not not on the test environment. Uh, Of course, this type of set of tests might be just a smoke test, so it's to to check that the test environment is up and running before it's the main collection of the tests. This is final.
0: I know you work with some clients and help them with automation and beyond. You co- you come in probably to some of these clients where they're not very mature in their automated testing approach, I imagine. Um, how do you deal with situations where you're brought in to do automated testing, but they assume that automated testing should only happen through a black box, right? Should only happen as a, Um, end-to-end UI test versus other types of tests. How do you progress beyond that and expand automation into different areas and make sure that automation is applied at the right places? And sometimes, I know you might not even have access to the developers um, and where developers do need to provide some extra assistance and so on. How do you tackle these challenges?
1: It really depends on the context and the company. Uh in my case, usually when people come in, I go there as a consultant to see how the problems can be resolved. Usually the things are bad, right? They have many problems. And during the consulting, the our company is doing it a little bit in a different way. What I mean, it's not like a typical outsourcing where I would just hire a few engineers and give them to them and they will say we're going just to automate the UI as you, as you said. But instead during this type of consult, initial consulting, um, I'm trying to explain to them and to teach them why the previous approach was wrong, probably. And try to do some kind of a proof of concept in, our, in a small scale to so, Uh, to show them the difference. This is the first thing. And most of the time, um, some of the developers are involved or at least there is like a push from the management that they can um, give me this um, authority, let's say, to choose the right approach. And usually people, uh, when I'm there, they need to listen to me. And they need to follow. in. Uh, most of the time, the thing that we do is we have this amalgamation of teams, this hyper type of work, where we have a core team from our engineers that are, uh, you know, really skillful to to use this type of uh, to use our kind of tools and this this shift in writing where. Uh, you know, we we use the APIs to mm-hmm. test data management and to automate just parts of the UI and then check again parts in the database. So they are pretty familiar and very good with that. And over time, we are trying to incorporate the existing uh, test automation to be able to teach them. And we have this type of um, learning session where I'm giving lectures and trying to teach them how to apply the same approach and why one of the approaches is better than the other. And over time they are trying to see the difference. And usually like, uh, in short in intervals over a few months we are giving like, presentations with all the achievements and some of the metrics. And all the people see the difference. Usually this is my way. But again this cannot be applied in all the contexts. It really depends uh, whether you have the uh, you know, the support from the management or at least from someone from the development.
0: What yeah. are the metrics that you're using to show value of your efforts?
1: One of them is, uh, of course, as I said, uh, recently I'm a fan of this mapping between acceptance to and automated tests. Another one is about how many people, Problems we are detecting with the automated tests, this automated tests efficiency, if you say so, during collaboration releases, and uh, I think this is really vital. Another one is about how many flaky tests we have and how many uh, and how much time we spent on maintenance and uh, fixing broken tests, but not because of uh, you know. Requirement changes because this is, I mean, it's expected for the test to fail. Uh, But I'm talking about fixing locators or stuff that are not written well from the beginning. Uh, These are just a few of the metrics. Usually at the beginning we try uh, to have just a few of them and then later on uh, we keep adding and showing more.
0: Yeah, awesome. Totally makes sense. Um curious on your opinion. How do you see AI and machine learning impacting test automation?
1: Sometimes I'm using ChatGPT for some problems. From what I'm seeing, uh, I know that, and I watched some of your videos about topic. Uh, it's really great for creation of demo applications. I'm and, and using to create some of the demo apps for my videos as well. Even last week, I was recording a video about single sign on and about passwordless uh, login with uh, SMS and email and how we can automate that. It was really great because ChatGPT generated most of it with a little bit of my help. But again, I am not really a support hardcore, code uh, uh, hard-core JavaScript developer as you are because you're coding on JavaScript before me. Sure, but uh, that was great uh, so this is one of the places where this can be applied many often it's, uh, it depends what you are searching for for example in order to generate your uh, really quick sort of locator, not really direct to your HTML or okay, but just to ask it, it's again okay. great but if you ask it about some kind of weird problem that now is appearing in WebDriver or wrapping or whatever, it's I mean mm-hmm. just because it's you know learned uh, a few years ago it doesn't have the text. Also maybe often when it doesn't know things, it can write uh, what of broken code and it can lie about all the stuff so you need to be careful. And especially in in a work and professional setting, I'm always, we we have in in many of these big enterprises, it's totally forbidden, and I understand why. Uh, Because of all this, uh, you know, data is confidential and and private, and you need to, you know, make sure that the client data uh, is not on some unknown cloud. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, probably we can use it like a, a little bit better version of at least for code uh, for Google and, and to generate some pieces of the code. But I'm not really thinking that it will replace at least not right now with all of these data compliances and everything.
0: What advice do you have for newcomers in test automation?
1: My advice is not just to... It's a good start to, to watch this really short on a test automation process or whatever, but you need to read books. I'm not speaking even for mine. I mean, there are so many books, as you can see behind me. I'm really a huge fan of books. Uh, it's just structured, and you need to attend, even if it's not a university, but some kind of a more structured program by a mentor who are I don't know, at least half a year or one year. If, if you really want to be a great engineer, otherwise, this won't happen. I mean, you will be just always uh, receive much less and won't be good. Not my Max.
0: Yeah, I, I totally agree with you on that point, Anton. For me personally, I think I had the best evolution in my career. When I stopped focusing on tools and I learned, uh, I read the book Clean Code, Um, I read a few other books around software development and engineering uh, design patterns, Um, and that allowed me to have the best evolution of my automated testing code and made it able to grow and scale and be reliable, be maintainable, be valuable. Um, and then outside of that, focusing on like strategies and, um, generating value as a, as an engineer on the team, um, that helped me the most versus before when I was first starting out, I was just focused on a tool. Uh, I started a long time ago where I'm sure you're aware there was a tool called QTP. Uh, that was the first tool I started on. And so, um, I was just focused on using qtp the best that i could and not thinking about all these other things so totally agree with you
1: and yeah always you need to do the exercises and it's about writing code but because if you're because there are some people that are just uh, attending or watching videos you won't learn to code without actually writing you know because nowadays I, I'm a really big fan of process, for example. They really have. when I need to learn new technology, I'm just starting it, we have subscription. Everything is there, it's really great. But just by watching some courses, if you don't apply, if you don't start experimenting, etc. debugging the product, you want to learn. So you need to do all the exercises. And I really um, in in all the books, actually, uh, after each of the chapters, there are a lot of exercises, and uh, the last piece, the volume five, is actually about explanation of all of the exercises, with, uh, because they are hard, and you need hard exercises to to be uh, to learn the topics.
0: That's all. Mm, very cool. Yeah, I'm looking forward to getting my hands on and doing some of your exercises. Hey, Anton, where can people learn more about you? Where can people get your books and then learn more about you?
1: Uh, they can visit uh, automateplanet.com. But uh, this is my uh, website. Uh, the books are sold their Silicon uh, Amazon on all of their websites. Uh, all- <laughs> and usually, if they follow on LinkedIn, Uh,
0: Wow, amazing that you already have eight books. That's fantastic. Congratulations. Um, Yeah, and uh, everything will be linked down in the show notes. So if anyone wants to grab Anton's books, go down there. They'll be there and his website as well. Anton, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been such a pleasure to chat with you all as always. Uh, Me and Anton have been longtime virtual friends for many years. So It's good to reconnect every few years. Um, It's been a pleasure, and I'll see you next time.
1: Thank you so much, Bye, everyone. Bye-bye. Hey, and
0: thank you so much for tuning into the Test Automation Experience. If you enjoyed the show, please don't forget to give the show a thumbs up, subscribe down below. And if you have any questions about what you saw, any comments, comment below. I respond to every single comment. And thanks so much for your time and see you next time.